0: I preached the other day for 50 minutes. It's an all-time record. And I kept looking at this clock, and this clock right now says, oh, somebody changed it 10 to 8. It was an hour behind, but I kept looking at the clock, and somehow the glare or whatever, I kept thinking, oh, I got 15 minutes. I got 15 minutes, and it happened like three or four times, and it went 50 minutes for the sermon, so I told you, I said, sorry about that, but that's what happened. I had some uh, some titles tonight for our sermon it's a familiar passage and one of the titles I was going to come up I'm going to talk about Samson tonight and one of the titles I come up with I was telling him at lunch the other day I said he had a fatal attraction and my mom told me said you got to stop using movie and tv themes (laughs) so I had another one sleeping with the enemy it was a movie So, I come up with my own, Mom, so you'll be proud of me. Shaggy to slick. Shaggy to slick. From shaggy to slick. (laughs) Brother Hans is going, Oh no. From shaggy to slick. In Judges chapter 16, I'm going to skip around here. Verse 15, 17, and 19 is what we're going to read. Then Delilah said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me, and I haven't, and you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. Verse 17 says, So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. And verse 19 says, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. All right? Let's pray tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to share your word. I ask you, Lord, to anoint me tonight and hide me behind the cross. We already know that your word is anointed, Father. I'm asking you, Lord, for the seed of the word to find fertile ground tonight, Lord. Let, it, let our ears and eyes be open, Lord, to what you want to say to us in this sermon tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. I fasted. I don't know the Bible says not to announce that and everything. It wasn't a spiritual fast. I'll just put it out there. I fasted. And when I did, I really forgot to drink something. I intentionally fasted and I forgot to drink. So I've been paying the price ever since I'm dehydrated and so I'm just dying of thirst constantly now. No joke. I get to talking and reading and my mouth just gets terrible. If we go back and begin reading in Judges 13, we would see the beginning of the Samson story. Judges 13 and one starts off telling us that God's chosen people, Israel, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Boy, how many times do we see that in the Bible? And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines. Over and over and over. But Samson still had a miraculous beginning. Samson's parents were old and childless. They'd given up on having any children. An angel appeared to his parents, telling them they would have a son who would be consecrated to God. All of his life would deliver Israel from the Philistines. When he was born, his little body was dedicated to be God's possession. All of his life as a Nazarite. From an early age, Samson was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit began to manifest great strength in him. Early in his life, he had a passion for God, a sense of mission. He allowed the Holy Spirit to move in his life so powerfully that he he alone would put whole armies into retreat. But over time, he got cold and hardened in his heart. He got distracted from God and began to toy with sin. Then Samson got even more reckless. The Bible says he began sleeping with prostitutes. Yet he still thought God would never abandon him. That's why when his hair had been cut off, he shook himself Excuse me. That's why when his hair was not cut off, he could shake himself, and he could be delivered. His strength would come to him. Satan used many tactics in the story to trick Samson. I know farther down in here, I even say it, I'll end up saying it again. He should have never been in the spot he was in. Should have never been the place where he was at. I can go even farther back. Samson, if the Israelites would have realized who Samson was, when the Philistines come to the Israel, earlier in the story, the, uh, the Israelites are, are approached by the Philistines, they're looking for Samson, and they say, hey, we can deliver Samson to you. This is before the Delilah comes along. We can deliver him to you. If they would have realized this is our deliverer, they could have joined Samson and defeated the Philistines right then. But they didn't. Satan uses many tactics to cut off Samson's relationship with God, and Satan's still using the same tactics, just wrapped a little bit differently nowadays. Same old things, just twist it just a little bit so we don't recognize what it was before. He tries to limit our prayer lives with interruptions and distractions until we waste the time away that we designated for communion with God. I can speak to that. Seems like every time I get down to pray, my phone buzzes. My phone rings. I'd be in the office praying and somebody would come knocking on my door. Constantly, we had to put that time, set that time aside to pray and to study without distractions. Again, with the distraction, he steals the word of God away from our hearts by getting us to focus on other issues until he's lost what should be on the forefront of our heart. We have scripture. We have the word inside of us. And he steals that away sometimes from us. Simply by putting situations and things in our way where all we can see, right, what's right in front of us. And we're not speaking God's word, what's inside of us. He distracts us. He suffocates our spiritual life. He gets us addicted to some sin. We fail in our spiritual disciplines, praying, studying, having communion with God. We find ourselves in a hurtful trial. Things are going bad, things are going wrong. And finally, we end up bald. I thought that was pretty funny. Let's talk about the Nazarite vow. What's a Nazarite? The Nazarite means consecrated or separated. A Nazarite is an Israelite consecrated to the service of God under vows to abstain from alcohol. They let their hair grow and avoid defilement by contact with corpses. They are holy to the Lord is what Numbers six and eight says. The sign of their vow was they couldn't cut their hair couldn't cut their hair. That would go good nowadays. That would have went well in the 70s. Not cutting your hair. I remember getting a haircut. If my hair touched the top of my ears, I was, you know, it was time, I was backsliding. I had to have a haircut when I grew up. I did. I'd, I'd beg mom and dad. So she'd leave it big on top. So I ended up with like this big, big hairdo, like up here, but it wasn't touching my ears. It was snazzy, I'm telling you. You just have to believe me. When we get saved, we become spiritual Nazarites, holy to God and separated from the world. God puts the seal of ownership on us, the Holy Spirit. We read that in our, our priestly blessings every night, the seal of the Holy Spirit's on us. What's consecration? To consecrate something is to surrender it or to set it apart to God. We belong to God. How many knew that we belong to God? Romans 12 and 1, Paul said it. We offer our bodies a living sacrifice. We're a living sacrifice. God doesn't require any sacrifice anymore. We don't have to, Jack, I'm glad we don't have to have a bunch of goats and lamb. We have to go out there and kill them and build an altar and everything. We don't have to do that anymore. We give ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. We're not supposed to do what we want. Oh, Drew, I don't want to hear that one. Our life is no longer our own. Well, nobody's going to tell me what to do. That's why the Lord Jesus said, Not my will, but thine be done. Jesus, flesh here on earth, still prayed that prayer. God, Father, not my will, but yours be done. We have to do the same thing. It's not our life. Samson's body belonged to God. God. The same is true for every Christian. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? In you, whom you have of God, and you are not your own. That's strong words. It's not your own. Your body's not your own. It goes on to say, For you are bought with a price. And what a price he paid. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Are we clear? The word of God says this is not our body. This is the temple, the Holy Ghost. It's not our own to make our own decisions. We're supposed to be listening to him and whatever he says to do. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It's pretty simple. Boy, when you just break it down, it's pretty simple, isn't it, Brother Steve? Imagine you got a yacht. I'm going to tell you right now, Carden and Noah, I hear this story just every few days. They've got a plan. Sister Jacqueline, they've got a plan to make some money later on in life. They're going to buy them a cruise ship. I'm not sure where they get that money first, but that's just, that's just we're not going to worry about that right now. But they're going to buy a cruise ship, and they're, they're going to raise money by selling cruises to give to the church. So that's one of the things I thought about this when I was reading this story today. Imagine you have a yacht, and Jesus is also on board with you. He knows everything about the boat. He knows everything there is to know about it. Every aspect of the ocean, he knows it. He knows every aspect of it. Are you going to let him be the captain? Are you going to let him be the cabin boy? Charles Miller said it this way. How do you know whether he's the captain or the cabin boy? The the cabin boy only gets used when something needs fixed. Isn't that the way we see it nowadays? People come in desperate in their physical, their financial, their emotional. Then they finally come to God. When they hit the rock bottom, they come in. I need somebody to fix something. Not really looking for a relationship. I just need some help financially. I need... We get them calls all the time here at the church. We get people stopping by all the church that need help financially. And, you know, God cares about them things. But we're just looking for the, what I keep calling the genie in the lamp. I just want three wishes. You know, just give me this, this, this. They're not looking for a relationship or a change in their life. They're wanting a change in their pocketbook. They're wanting a change in their health. They're not looking for a relationship with Jesus. It's very true in our lives seems like that we ask for God just when we need him to fix something God I want you to do what I want you to do I know your word says you have great plans for us but I want you to do what I want you to do it's not my time God you may have great plans but man when are you going to do them I, I need something right now do it my way finally we just say I'll go my own way do my own thing we don't need him we don't need you, God. We, we got this. If I get in trouble, though, something I can't wade through or I'm starting to sink or something, then I'll go ahead and call on you, God. Come, go ahead and come fix it for me. Emily Post was a best-selling author in, on etiquette. All right, I'm not just all about etiquette. No. Someone once wrote and asked her this etiquette uh, question here. What is the correct procedure when one is invited to the White House but has a previous engagement? All right, she's a real woman, okay? She died in like 1960, but uh, she wrote all these different magazines. She wrote for, uh, I think they said, 100 different newspapers. And, uh, but anyway, she said, that she gets this, this question asked over, she replied to it, an invitation to dine at the White House is a command and automatically cancels any other engagement. I thought that was really good. God has called each and every one of us, and the same instruction should hold true to our hearts and lives today. When God calls us or gives us an invitation, it's a command, and it automatically cancels anything else that we have going on in our life. When God asks us to do something, this is his body. We automatically, our plans are put to the side. God, let's do what you want to do. We were sitting here earlier, I think it was yesterday, and uh, we we were praying, and and we had five or six people here praying, and uh, God spoke to me, uh, get up and go pray for an individual. I was like, wow, God, I, I don't know these people's plans, and so I just asked, I said, does anybody have plans? Can we go pray? And they all agreed. We went and prayed. We have to be sensitive to God's spirit to do what he wants us to do at all times. According to Strong's concordance, Delilah's name means to slacken, be made feeble. She swindles. Samson had spiritually slackened, and she helped make him spiritually feeble. She, like Satan, didn't just want to corrupt him. She wanted to utterly destroy him. And scripture we use in the youth... Almost every service is John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's there for. He wants to kill us. It's not good enough he takes something from us. He wants to kill us. And he wants to kill everything in our life first, and then he wants to go ahead and take our life too, just for good measure. In Judges 16 and 1, Samson starts sleeping with prostitutes. Then he falls in love with Delilah. And in this story, we find out where the term blind love comes from i'm just telling you samson may have been strong and might and a nazirite and all these great things he did he wasn't very smart i can tell you that right now he was not very smart the bible says that samson was in love with delilah and nowhere will you find in your bible that says she was in love with him that's a dangerous situation i got a bunch of boys in here tonight that's a dangerous situation boys don't fall in love with somebody that ain't that in love with you as a matter of fact, Delilah is approached by the Philistines and they offer her money. She'll find out how they can conquer Samson. And she accepted the money. She accepted the bribe. I'm going to do this. And what I found funny is First Timothy 6 and 10. Certainly the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Offered a little money. Satan knows the root of evil. Let's, let's get her some money. We can get Samson on this one. The great lesson here is don't hang out with the wrong crowd. He was in a place that he wasn't supposed to be. Now, that in youth, Brother Scotty will preach all day long. You're in a place you shouldn't be. Get out of the place you shouldn't be. I think about Joseph and what he had to do. He had to run. Got his coat ripped off of him while he was running. Sometimes you had to run. I preached a sermon one time to the youth. You had to run sometimes from sin. You had to get out of that situation. Don't stand there. Well, I'm a good Christian. I can stay in this situation. Run. Run! I, I posted this this week on Facebook. I post about once or twice a week on Facebook to abstain from the very appearance of evil, to stay away from. I read it in about six different translations. I love that. And every time it's like stand, uh, abstain, stay away, get away. It's pretty plain. I understood it real well. Stay away from evil, the very appearance of evil. We are to protect our relationship with God. And we have to be careful where we place our love. We have to be careful what and who we fall in love with. I'm going to tell you this I promise you, you'll never fall in love with the wrong things if you stay away from the wrong things. (laughs) I heard somebody say, You'll never be an alcoholic if you never take that first drink. That's a good lesson. We need to hang out in God's Word, hang out in the presence of the Holy Ghost, hang out with the church. Hang out with church people, friends, and family that are Christians. We have that choice. But we have to keep things in order in our life. You, you know I've been preaching over and over about order in your life. It's got to be God first. It can't be my wife first and then God. It's got to be God first. Somebody told us a story this week and said, uh, I think it was Sister Metz. She said something about her grandchild said, uh, Grandma, do you love me more than you love God? She said, no. I love God more. I I think that's who told us that. You've got to realize, or maybe it was Miss Jerry telling us that. Yeah. Anyhow, we have to have that in in priority, in order, correctly. We've got to love God first and then everyone else. I wrote down here, it's God first, spouse second, children third, and so on. If we get that out of order, our enemy will recognize where we are weak and begin to pound away. He just keeps hitting us in that sore spot. Over and over and over, I've told you over and over about the analogy of boxing. When we were boxes kids, somebody, you hit them in the nose, they begin to bleed. You just kept going after the nose. It was an instinct. You just kept trying to hit the nose. That's where you got results. That's exactly what Satan does to us. If I let my wife be first in my life, she's become my God. If I let my kids become first in my life, they become my God. My job, my television, my football team, my baseball team. They'll become my God if they become, come before Jehovah. God will not accept anything other than first place. Yeah. And in my study, I have fun studying. I was, I was like, I wonder how you say one, first place, in Spanish. I was like, oh, I know that one, uno. And when I pulled this up, then I had a bunch of them. In Latin, it was uh, unas. In the Greek, it was ana. In Japanese, it was ichi. I like that one. that's my favorite one. "Itchy. God is itchy in my life. Chinese, it was Yi. And Hebrew is Echad. <laughs> you didn't know I could speak that, did you? Isn't okay. that awesome? I speak Hebrew now. <laughs> Multi-talented. Sister girl, I really sat in my office, and I kept listening to that lady say it, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know how they say it like that, but boy, they do. It just rolls off their tongue. Samson is so blind to this woman that he doesn't seem to care that she's asking the secret to his strength. When you get so blinded by the devil, we can't even recognize when he's right there with us. That's a sad spot to be in. He is so off guard that he doesn't seem to realize that she's trying to kill him. Again, his love for her was blind. She, he couldn't see past that. And this is just a side note, again, from my youth pastoring days. If you find someone that's interesting in dating you and they don't want to go to your church, a Pentecostal church, run. Yeah. Peyton, Preston, Jordan, Jack, who else is in here <laughs> needing a wife? If they don't go to a Pentecostal church, you don't date them. If they can't come to your church, don't date them. Jack, I know you got a new girlfriend. I don't even know her. Don't know anything about her. If she can't come to this church, don't date her. Don't date her. I'm going to tell you, I'm warning you right now, don't date her. We need to run. We are full gospel. We believe the whole word of God. And if someone is scared off by God and his fullness, we better not be entering into a covenant with them. And that's an awesome word right there. We better not be even associating with them. I understand we need relationships to win people to the Lord. But them relationships can't go any farther. We can't stay, hang around that until we fall in love. And next thing you know, we're going to some cult church or whatever. Handling snakes and flipping them around their head, you know. No. If they're not assembly of God, Pentecostal, don't date them. Number one. When Delilah first asked, asked Samson how that he may be bound up so someone... I mean the, the, the word of God is incredible. She asked him, she said, how can you be bound up and someone torture you? I'm telling you, if Shelly asked me that, I'm going to... Why would you ask that? Bible doesn't say Samson even thought anything about it. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm fixing to play with her now. I'm, I'm going to tell her a story. Should have had warning lights going on, bells, whistles, everything going nothing Not for Samson. He's... He's not very smart. He's strong, but he's not smart. Samson was so in love with his sin, he couldn't see the obvious death trap. Sometimes, boy, I'm just preaching to youth again tonight. Sometimes mom and daddy warn you of something, and you don't see it, you better step back and think about Samson. Boys, you better step back and think about Samson. There's a warning. I tell my boys all the time, I don't tell you stuff to instruct. I have two adult boys. I don't tell them stuff to be their boss. I tell them stuff to warn them. Just in case they're like Samson. And somebody's asking, how can we tie you up and torture you? Boys, you need to be aware of that one. So Samson tells her a story. Tie me up with seven new bowstrings uh, that were not dried out. Some scholars say that that's catgut, and said that this I'll be just like any other man if you tie me up with that. Of course, he's lying. He's having fun with her, and uh, we can relate to these tactics too. The enemy is always trying to find a, our weak spot. He's always looking for the best way to destroy us. If one thing doesn't work, he'll try something else. We keep hanging around it, keep hanging around, keep hanging around it. We're going to find out exactly what happened to Samson. And we all know the story. Delilah, t- she ties him up with the catgut rope, string, whatever catgut is. Catgut, when I knew about it, was guitar strings. They were black, they were guitar strings, and that's what they literally called catgut. So I don't know if this is the same kind or not. I seriously doubt it. Of course, Samson, she tells him, say, wake up. The Philistines are upon you. Samson wakes up. He frees himself. The second time she asked him, she used her femininity. I'm just putting this in there because I can just feel it oozing from the word. I'm sure she was using her flirtatious voice. And she said, you're making fun of me. You're lying to me. Come on, tell me how to tie you up. You know how I know this? I've been done that way by a woman before. Not getting tied up, but honey, why don't we do the honey, why wouldn't when I recognize that. I read it in the scripture today. I was like, I recognize that. That I recognize that. She's pulling the old woman card on him right now. So he tells her, use new ropes that have never been used to tie anything up with. Tie me up with him, and I'll be a, I'll be just like any other man. Delilah tells Samson to wake up after she's tied him up. Philistines are upon you. Of course, he breaks free because he had told another lie. Boy, he just one lie after another. This guy's just a liar too. Number th- the third time here, he says uh, Delilah starts in on him again. You're still making fun of me. You're telling me lies. Probably this time she's using her face and stuff with the droopium. Y- you're telling me lies. You're lying to me, Samson. I don't know how we're gonna have this relationship like this, Samson. And she's probably winking just a little bit. <laughs> Samson. Samson starts getting closer and closer to telling the truth, though. He says, "Just weave the seven braids in my hair and the web, and fasten it tight with a pin." All right, he's moved. He's moved from all of his little lies now. He's up to his head where he knows. That's the secret to his covenant with God. He knows that's where his strength comes from. And he's still so blinded by the sin that he's in love with, he's not realizing the devil's fixing to put a dagger in his heart. Of course, this this wasn't the truth either. She tries again. She she ties his hair up, trying to sap his strength. Delilah tells Samson, wake up, the Philistines are on you. Of course, he breaks free. And the last thing he told her was the truth. Delilah said to Samson, how can you say you love me when your heart isn't mine? You've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. Every day she made his life miserable. Apparently this went on and on. His life was miserable with her questions she pestered him, and the Bible says, until he wished he was dead. He went from loving this woman to now, I wish I'm dead. She won't shut up. Finally, he told her the truth. He told her, because I'm a Nazarite, no one has ever cut the hair on my head. I was dedicated to God before I was born. If my hair is ever shaved off, my strength will leave me, and I'll be like any other man. When we keep playing around with sin we're going to get burned when we keep playing around with things that God told us to stay away from we're going to get burned Samson kept telling Delilah lies and you can tell the story that you could tell throughout his stories he was getting closer and closer to the truth he was getting closer to giving in to what she wanted to know eventually she was able to get the information she wanted That's kind of the way the devil works. He keeps on and on and on until he gets the result he's looking for. The longer we stay around it, the longer we date him, the longer we date her, the longer we keep entertaining ourselves with it, the longer we keep doing it until finally we break the covenant with God. The devil's got us exactly where he wants us. I, want, I found this very interesting, to I want you to realize this. There were seven braids in Samson's hair. And we know that the number seven, I kept reading that. I was like, there's got to be more to that. Seven. Anybody tell me what seven is in the Bible? That number, what it means? Completion. Completion. The number seven, when you see it in the Bible, and I kept thinking, God, how is this Completion. Seven braids in Samson's hair, and we know the number seven is God's number for completion. Samson played around until his seven braids were shaved off from his head. His seven braids were now the completion of him giving in to his enemy. When we think of completion and the number seven, you always think it's in a positive way. This is not a positive way. But it was the last straw for God. You broke covenant again. You broke covenant. You're sinning again. You're doing the things you know you're not supposed to be doing. I'm not staying with you. My strength is not going to be with you. My power is not going to be with you. My presence is not going to be with you. A valuable lesson we need to take note of today. God takes his vows... Seriously, we make a vow. The Bible says it's better for us to not even make a vow than not to keep it to God. God takes it very seriously. Well, God, if you'll help me out of this situation, I'll do this. God, if you'll just help me make this car payment, I promise I'll start, I'll pay tithes from now on. I promise. God, if you just heal heal my body, I'll go to church for this. I'll serve you forever, God. God, if you just do this, if you do that, don't even make the vow unless you intend to keep it. God takes it seriously. Delilah got Samson to expose his secret vows to God. Once he told her that his hair represented God's ownership of his life, she put him to sleep and cut his hair off. The enemy of our soul wants to do the same thing to us tonight. His tactics have not changed. He wants to find something he can, that we can fall in love with, hang around with, until we give up our vows to God. Well, that's good right there. That is very good right there. She severed the last link he had to God. It didn't even have to be him. He spoke it with his mouth. Again, we spoke the other day about words. He should have never let them words come out of his mouth. I told somebody today... They commented about their their baby, and I said, don't say that over your baby. I said, the power of your words. I said, do not say that over your baby again. There's power in them words, and he let them words uttered through his lips. And Delilah knew now how to sap the power out of his life. Then the Bible says, God abandoned him, and his enemies overwhelmed him. Samson paid a high price for his haircut. Lost relationship with God. They, he lost his eyes. He lost his vision. Yeah. Slavery to his enemies. This is all very old but true statement. Sin takes, always takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you want to pay. Yeah. We never think it. it's not going to be that big a deal. Yeah. It's just a good time right now. It's just We're just having fun. Hey, I'm just smoking a little bit. Hey, I'm just drinking a little bit. It's not that big a deal. It's gonna take you farther than you wanted to go. He ended up chained to a grind mill and grinding for his enemy's food it was made the point of all their mockery. What a terrible end for a man of God. The deliverer God was sending to the Israelites. We as a nation, do we think we can make marijuana legal and the drug problem go away? I mean, I've been talking to us individually now, but we look at our nation and the the trouble we're in, and here we go from state to state to state, one right after another. You know what? It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a drug. Let's go ahead and make that legal. No? Drug problems just get worse. Legalize gambling. That's a good idea. Already between 15 to 20 million adults and adolescents have gambling problems, habits, which lead to stealing, to killing, and destroying. Well, let's promote free sex. That's where it's at. That sounds like the 70s right there. Now 40% of the children are raised in single-parent homes, and 80% of them are in poverty. Well, that sounds like a good idea. But yet we, we can't have the Ten Commandments in school because, you know, that's too offensive. I love this one, you know, thou shalt not kill. That's kind of offensive. Let's not put that in there because somebody might want to do that and we don't want to infringe on the rights to kill another student. And then when they go shoot up to the school, then we want, oh, let's get rid of the guns. That's the problem. Wow. The devil will always tell you the pleasures of drinking but not the results, alcoholism, drunk driving accidents, violence. He'll tell you about the pleasures of illicit sex, but not the results of the pregnancy, the STDs, the ruined lives, babies without daddies. Side note, if your parents are still married, you need to call them up and thank them. Right. The devil will always tell you the pleasures of drugs, but not the addiction, the crime, the killing, the stealing, the destroying of lives that it does. The, the enemy is after us too. I don't care if he's raised in some preacher's house. Like I was. House, bus, RV. The devil still wants to destroy us. He wants to cut off our relationship with God. We can't slack off. Brother Garrett, would you come? We can't become feeble. We have to stay aware. We have to be smarter than Samson. Samson was warned hey, how can I tie you up and so somebody can torture you? Oh, I love her. Isn't that cute? <laughs> well, let me tell you. He's just blind. He was already spiritually blind to what was going on. You know what? And we do, it's funny. I, I read that, and I did today. I, was, I had a smile on my face all the time. I was like, God, how can he be so stupid? And every time I do that, do something like that, God speaks to my heart and said, what's going on right now today? How can we be so stupid? How can we be so ignorant of what the devil's trying to do in our lives, in our church, and our kids? Our, it doesn't matter, our seniors, seniors down to our kids. The lie of the seniors the devil is constantly telling us, you're not worth anything. You know, the church doesn't need you anymore. You know, your, your, your time has passed. You're this, you're that. I sit in here every, every week and pray, God, let the, let the seniors in our church know that they are needed, they're loved, and they're wanted here at TFT. Father, let them see their worth. Let them, let them know that without them, this world would already went crazy, yeah. crazier. But we need them to be the fathers, the mothers, the mentors, as Taylor said it's not in the Bible, but you know what? That's still a good word. We need that. We've gotta have that. Who's gonna raise me? I still need raising. If I do, I know Jack does. I know Emily does. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word. I ask you, Lord, that we take this warning that you showed us through the word. God, and we apply it to our hearts. We know the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Father, we understand that. But God, let us see it in our own lives. Let us be able to pinpoint exactly where the enemy's trying to come in in our own lives, our individual lives, Father. Lord, before death falls upon us, that we can make the right decisions for you.